How many love Jesus tonight? Hallelujah! Oh, we love you, God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I told Brother Nathan Holmes, I said, now, I'm not going to abuse my privilege, but I see a knob. It's got my name on it. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, praise God. Oh, happy day. So good to be here. Amen. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 47. While you're turning there, I'd like to say that there are no words to express my love and appreciation for Brother and Sister Holmes, their family, this church, and what you mean to the work of God. And I mean that with all of my heart. I appreciate love and appreciate all of the brethren, ministers that have gathered here and the precious saints of God. And uh, I just, I stand in awe at what God will do if we'll just let him. And brothers and sisters, can I tell you, the days of holding back from God have got to be over. They have got to be over. They've got to be. We have run out of options. We may as well put everything on the table because our, the sands of our glass are almost gone. And if we ever did anything for God, it needs to be right now, right now, right now, right now, right now. Amen. So we are so thankful to be here. It's a great honor to be here and to be here with my uh, eldest son, Joel, and his wife, Erica. Count that a high honor. Good to have Sister Booker, wherever she is, where is she? God bless Sister Booker. She put in a tough year, but she's a tough gal. And here she is, the hand of God on her. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. And it's so good to uh, see others from Rialto that are here. We're excited about you being here this year. Oh, I feel Jesus. I feel Jesus. I'm going to begin reading at verse number one. Verse number one. There are folks here under the sound of my voice that you heard me preach this. You were under the sound of my voice. I know how tapes, CDs travel. I did not come here to this platform. I was not thinking I was going to go this direction. But the longer and the more I looked at the notes I thought I was going to do, the less comfortable I felt. And um, I feel this is right. I'm not going to preach a long time. I'm really not. I don't feel like we even need to. I feel like the Lord would really like to visit us. If we're willing to visit him, I'm telling you, he would really like to visit us tonight. In Jesus' name. Brother Godare, whom I love and appreciate so very deeply, thank you for the word of the Lord. Amen. God never intended for his church to be boring. I think a very cursory glance, just a mere glance, at the New Testament church lets you know it was anything but boring. Hallelujah. Even the problems they had weren't boring problems, praise God. So God wants us in these last hours, literally last hours, to do our best for him. Verse 1, Ezekiel 47, afterward he brought me again. Unto the door of the house, and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. 
For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out by the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto, unto the other gate by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And he brought me through the waters. The waters were not very deep. They were to the ankles. That was a long ways to walk for the waters just to be to the ankles. Verse 4, he measured, again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand, brought me through. The waters were to the loins. Afterward, he measured a thousand and it took a tremendous leap. It was a river that I could not pass over. For the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and caused me to return to the brink of the river. And tonight, we're all at the brink of the river. Verse 9, it came to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great, everybody say very great, multitude of fish. Because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed. And everything shall live, whether the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Injidai, even unto En Eglium. They shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceeding many. But please note verse 11. But the miry places thereof, and the marishes or the marshes thereof, shall not be healed. They shall be given to salt. I don't want to be a miry place. I don't want to be a marsh. I don't want to be a boring church. God has too many good things, and he wants the waters to flow. Let's pray together, Lord Jesus. We are very, 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 very mindful of you tonight. We ask God that your great, mighty, gracious, precious hand would rest upon us. Anoint God every man, every single man, every single woman. Oh God, especially every, every, every single young person. Visit us all tonight. God, every child. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you for your patience. You may be seated. We love you, Lord. I have a good friend. He's good friends with many people here tonight. And uh, he's a unique individual. We know him well. Everybody that, when I call his name, that knows him will agree he's very unique. It's Brother Craig Sissel. And I remember many years ago uh, meeting him. It's been at least 25 or more years ago, first met him. And uh, uh, in fact, uh, Brother Garrett made mention of this, but I remember those days when uh, before the technological tsunami has hit us what we face today. We are in a techno world that is mind-boggling. But back 25 years ago, he was one of those uh, trailblazers blazers that got a chess game that you could play electronically. And that was like a ooh and an ah. 
that you could play electronic chess. And when you would turn on his machine, as is told in a famous message, but as when he would turn on the machine, the machine would talk to you and the first thing it would say is, what level would you like to play? And then you would pick from one to 10. And uh, any games like that in chess, I never made it past level one. And I uh, only beat it one time at level one. So uh, when it comes to chess, I'm, I don't go very high a level. I used to be the champion in my house till my boys started growing up. And when they started beating me, I retired. Praise God. But I think that somewhere in every individual's walk with God, as been noted by others, When people come to the Lord, there is not an audible voice that is heard. There is not a man, a angel waving a banner. There is not dreams and visions of the night usually. Perhaps you have this, but in some way, shape, form, or the other, I think the Holy Ghost reaches down and takes the pulse a man puts on the sensors, feels out the spirit, reaches down into the heart and feels his way around the inner cavities of our soul and wants to find out early on what level we would like to play. And people do choose the levels, a man wherewith they want to serve God. This was foretold. There are some folks, they never even make a level at all. They're like the wayside soil. They're like the stony soil, which it's a short-lived level. It is like the thorny soil that the cares of this life mean more to them than the cares of God. And if it doesn't completely choke out the word, it at least renders it with unfruitfulness. Amen. Or that, as Luke said, they bring forth no fruit to perfection. And so they choose to live at that pitiful level. Then there are folks that produce 30-fold, they play at that level, and then there is 60-fold, and then there is a 100-fold. Somewhere out there, there is somebody that responds and says, God, I am passing through this life one time, and one time only. And God being my helper, I want to play at the highest level possible. Amen. Amen. The writings of Ezekiel are not the most easily understood. The portions, of course, are. I wonder personally, this is a very, very much a side issue and side note. If, if, if what we are seeing transpire in the Middle East right now, between the nations and Israel. It is somewhat different than the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel where it speaks of kings of the east. But there in Ezekiel it speaks and names nations that will march down. One of them Gog and Magog that have as it is, or Meshach and Tubal that have a hook in their jaw. Makes you wonder if that's not being the beginning of what's going to be played out in front of our eyes in the world we're living in. Whether we understand it or not, or like it or not, or believe it or not, or appreciate it or not, let me tell you something. Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda and Israel and the Middle East are playing at level 10. Now we may twiddle and dawdle and fool around, amen, and stick around at level 1, but you better believe the world's playing at level 10, brother. And you can mark it down that in the honky-tonks and the bars and the dives, There are men and women who don't really want to be there. But they have been caught up in the grips of sin and shame and debauchery. And they are playing at level 10. And it's going to be hard for someone playing at level 10 in this wicked world to be touched. To be touched. To be touched by somebody that's in the church that's playing at level 1 or 2. We will not even phase them. But if, by the grace of God, 
a people can rise up and say, God, we got to go deeper than this because you're bigger than this. And you're mightier than any passion that's running out there in the currents of this world. And if you can rise up in the hearts and the minds and the souls of your people, there is no telling what can be done. But the question is, what level would you like to play? In this text from the 47th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, The angel of the Lord has basically brought him to the east gate where waters are issuing out. It speaks of the north, it speaks of the west, but it was not where the waters issued out. And can I proclaim to us, there was a reason that the waters issued out of the east gate. It didn't come from the north from whence cold cold, bitter winds blow or the south winds, a man that tend to shrivel up that which is... Uh, uh, growing, amen, or from the west from whence the sun sets, but it issued out of the east gate because that's where the sun rises. And there's something about the rising of the sun and his compassions that fail not. They are new every single morning. Hallelujah. And for that reason, and I know that we have all ages of people here and we have all levels of of, of, of depth, amen, and, and, and strivings to please God that are here, but for service purposes, amen. Let's just, let's just pretend that the angel of the Lord has picked us all up right now and we're all at the east gate. Amen. And the waters are flowing out. And the question is, what level would you like to play? How far? Are you willing to go? How deep do you want your walk to become? Amen. What does it mean to you to picture waters that are crystal clear and powerful with healing virtue flowing? That wherever they flow, there is a healing that takes place. And that the fishes that can be caught there are exceeding many Amen. After their various kinds. Amen. How much does revival really mean to you? What is the value of a lost soul? Amen. How much does the miraculous really, 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 really weigh on the scales of our to-do list and things that we've got to get done and, and chores and various pleasures that we'd like to accomplish? Somewhere, God, you've got to talk to us and ask us once again, what level would you like to play? And so he began walking. And as is stated in the ancient Chinese proverb, the journey of a thousand miles always begins at the first step. And I know that sometimes generalities cannot be correct because they are so general and they cover so many bases. There's bases, amen, that don't exactly fit. But I do know his compassions fail not. I do know they are renewed every morning. And therefore, wherever you've been, wherever you're at, whatever you face, whatever the highs, the lows, the goods and the bads, let's just say that tonight the Holy Ghost is asking every one of us with whatever amount of time we've got left, what level would you like to play? And we have to start walking. We've got to start walking. I know that across here, there is so many different levels in all avenues of life and spiritual life. I look at this walk out into these waters the way I look at holiness. And the way that I have looked at holiness for many years now is the clearest, best picture to me is holiness is like a tunnel. And in this tunnel, there is light at one end of the tunnel and there is gross darkness at the other end of the tunnel. And wherever you're at in the tunnel of holiness, the most important thing about it is what direction are you headed? Amen. Because if you're headed towards the light, 
and you keep walking and you follow after holiness without which no man shall see the Lord and you keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep loving and you keep serving and you keep seeking and you keep striving eventually you're going to get where you want to go hallelujah but you can be one foot from the glorious light and if you turn around and start growing the wrong way. You still may be ahead of others for now. But you're going the wrong way. And if you don't return, amen, the right direction and you keep going, you're eventually going to end up in the abyss of an eternal darkness that is so dark it beyond anything we can even begin to imagine. And you can be one foot from that darkness. And if by the grace and the mercy of God, you turn around. And there may be somebody into the sound of my voice. You're walking the wrong way. And brother, tonight God loves you enough to tell you, you better turn around. And if you'll turn around and start walking back the other way, brother, and you hang in there and you don't give up, you're going to make it. But the most important thing about the tunnel, amen, besides the direction you're going, don't ever, ever, ever forget if you're headed towards the light, there's always going to be somebody behind you, but there's always going to be somebody ahead of you. Amen. However deeply consecrated you are, there's somebody ahead of you. Amen. And there's somebody behind you. But you've got to keep walking the right direction. And so it is in the things of prayer, in the things of the Spirit, in the things of desiring God. Amen. And the moves and the manifestations of God. Amen. And His power and His might and the ability to get a hold of Him. Yea, the hem of His garment and not stop until God Amen. What his word declared he yearns to do. Amen. Wherever you are, remember in this process, there's somebody behind you and there's somebody ahead of you. The most important thing is the direction you're headed. And you got to keep walking. you got to keep walking. You may be walking. Amen. And it be as you have walked one, two, three, four, five. Make a, make a way here, boys. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but you keep walking and you never turn around and you keep going and it's 50 and 60 and 70, amen, and you keep walking and it's 685 and 686 and you go 989, 999 and you go a thousand cubits and you think you've really done something and it's ankle deep. And if you're not careful, you'll get discouraged. And you'll say, I've prayed X number of weeks. Amen. And nothing happened. I want to tell you, now, surely God, surely there's no television owners in this house. Surely. Surely there's not. Unless you're here and you're visiting, and, but, but if you've repented and been baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost, surely somewhere God's talked to you. I mean, he talked to me about it before I ever got the Holy Ghost, before I was ever baptized, before I was ever in the church. In fact, this is too good not to tell right now. I had just repented, never been baptized in Jesus' name, never been in one God, Jesus' name, apostolic church, and I was watching the wild, wild west on TV, which was easy to do in my house. Because my parents had a television in every single room in the house. At that time, they had three in the front room. Amen. And for a while, they had one in the truck. So there I was. And I was watching Wild Wild West. And I was watching him as he beat somebody's head on the hitching post. And he dumped him down into the, into the horse trough. And I didn't have the Holy Ghost. Wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. Didn't have a pastor. And I was watching that. And something smote my heart. And I said, that wasn't Christian. And I turned the channel and that wasn't and that wasn't and that surely wasn't. And I turned it off. 
And I never turned it on again. 15 years later, I was pastoring in Arroyo Grande, California. And here came a couple. And uh, they got the Holy Ghost in their house. We baptized them in Jesus' name. They'd been to two services, I believe it was. We were in a prayer meeting one night. He got me aside. He said, I want to know everything that you guys teach by way of the do's and the don'ts, the things we're supposed to live and do. I said, oh, just stick around. You'll get it. Don't worry about it. It'll come. Just, you, you, he said, no, no, no. I want to know now. So I started telling him. And it only... T- it only took me about 15 minutes to tell us really what we're supposed to do and not do along those lines. If it takes you longer than that, you might check it out. But anyway, about 15 minutes. And when I got to, when I got to the television issue, he go, oh, that's no problem. He said, I don't have a television. I said, really? He came out of a denominal church. I said, they don't teach that. He said, oh, I know everybody. Everybody in the church made fun of us because we didn't have a television. And now that's starting to happen in Pentecost. And, uh, and he said, uh, and I said, well, when did you quit watching? He said, six years ago, I gave it up. I said, why? He said, well, I was watching the wild, wild west. And he said, and I, and, and, and James West, he beat a guy's head on a hitching post and he threw him into watering trough. And when he did, I got so convicted. I turned it off and I never turned it on. Today he's pastored a church in Arizona. Hallelujah. So. I preached that little ditty, what I just told you, at the Mississippi camp. And a preacher come running up to me after service, Brother James Hembry. And he said, Brother Booker, I got to tell you something. He said, I used to be in a oneness organization that television was not an issue. He said, so we had one. They allowed ministers to have it, and there, there I was. And he said, he said, I walked in the house one day, and my three sons were sitting there, and they were watching the Wild Wild West. And he beat this guy's head on a hitching post. He threw him in a watering trough, and something got on me. He said, Brother Booker, I ran over, and I pulled the plug, and I said, we're getting rid of that out of our house. We're not going to live like that. Here a while back, one of his sons, amen, visited our church, and he's up in his 30s now, and, uh, and, and I said, you remember that day? He said, I'll never forget that day as long as I live. And so I just got through preaching that in Georgia, and a preacher come up to me, and he said, I, I've heard you tell that story twice, and my wife elbowed me in the side and said, you better go tell Brother Booker. He said, and I said, I said, Brother Listen, can I use your name? I won't use your name because this is a different set of circumstances. He said, use my name. And his name is Brother Steve Waldrop. And he's very, very well known in, the, in Georgia. And he's a good pastor and he's a good man. I really like him. Amen. He said, I was in the church. He said, I was raised in the church. We never had one. And I knew better than to have one. He said, but I started evangelizing. He said, I'm so ashamed. But I started slipping around into hotel rooms and motel rooms and watching it. And he said, there I was preaching, but he said, and I kept watching it. And, and, and he said, one day, Brother Booker, he said, go ahead, young lady, praise God. He said, he said, one day while I was watching it, he said, I don't remember James West beating his head on a hitching post, but my wife and I were sitting there. And he said, I watched James West put a guy in a watering trough and try to drown him. And he said, when that happened, my heart smote me so hard. He said, I got so convicted. He said, I turned it off. He said, Brother Booker, that's been many years ago. I have never turned it on since. Maybe we ought to make that required watching. Praise God. No, I don't, I'm just kidding. There's people that'll do it. But I must go stop here and say this. If the Holy Ghost can speak to that many people over that one look, don't tell me God's not talking to people. Don't tell me he's still not convicted. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The question is, what level do you want to pray? How far you want to go? What's this mean to you? But because 
of television and its effect on society. We are in the 30-minute phases of life. Amen. They see horrendous, horrific circumstances arise. And between that and three commercials at the end, it seems they all live happily ever after. Or it might take 60 minutes and it's 12 commercials. And because of that, even though we're the church, that mentality has seeped in. If we don't get our answers quick, we're ready to put up a sign out of business. I'm telling you, God wants us to walk and keep walking. And when you've gone a thousand cubits, honey, you got to keep walking. You got to keep walking. You got to keep praying. You got to keep seeking. You got to keep believing. You got to be there. Prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting. You got to keep walking. And it's 1,566 and 1,567. And the deeper the water goes... the harder it gets sometimes. It's like there's a lot less resistance when it's slapping around your feet than when it's working its way up to your loins. But you gotta keep walking and you gotta keep praying and you gotta keep seeking and you gotta keep believing and you gotta keep trusting amen because the question is what level would you like to play there's got to be something that rises up in the heart of god's people that says i'm passing through this life one time i've got one shot at this i want to give it my best shot i want to pray like i've never prayed i want to get into this deeper than i was ever in it in my life what level would you like to play how far do you want to go I'm cutting through all kinds of stuff we honor patriarchs of old and the victories and the glories that they won I told this story for several years Brother Smith, it wasn't until the last year I found out who the man really was. And it was Hushier's daddy. Harvey Share, a Louisiana patriarch, prayerful, godly, strong old man that started the camp meeting. That started Louisiana camp. When he would go out with his bands through Louisiana, he would not allow anybody to go with him. Nobody! Unless they paid, played, excuse me, prayed five hours a day. You couldn't even go with him. If you couldn't pray five hours a day, don't even show your face. And we wonder why they were able to accomplish the things they accomplished. And in the midst of the the days of hunger and and no food and no money, it was Harvey Sher. I found out this last year that one day got up and there was nothing for his wife and children to eat, including us. She said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go get some groceries. She said, you don't have any money. He said, I don't need any where I'm going. And he went out to the woods and he found his spot. And he began to start praying to his God. He said, God, I'm your servant. I'm working for you. You're my employer. If I had an employer, I'd sure take care of him. And I'm yours. So God... I want some bread, and I want some milk, and I want some honey, and I want it for my family, and I want it this morning in Jesus' name. And so while he was out grocery shopping, amen, here came a knock at the door, and there was somebody standing there, a little woman. She had a a loaf of hot bread, and she said, Sister Cher, I make two loaves every single morning. 
I use the exact same amounts of ingredients every day. Today, I put in exactly what I always put in, but I don't know what happened. I had enough for a third loaf. And when I was kneading it and making it, the Lord spoke to me and said, take it to the sharers. And so she had her bread. And in a little while, here came a guy. He'd been out in the tree, out in the piney woods, filling some trees, and he brought some honey. He said, I was following some trees, and I found a beehive, and I just felt like bringing you all some honey. And then a little while, here came somebody else with a half a bucket of milk and said, every day we milk old Bessie, and old Bessie brings in so much milk every day. But today, Bessie brought in, amen, an extra half a pail of milk, and the Lord told me to bring it to you. The question is, what level would you like to play? My God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I blush to even tell stories like that. I feel like those men and women are so far ahead of me. But all I know is we can't turn around. We got to keep going the right direction. We got to keep walking. We got to keep praying. We got to keep digging in. The world we're living in desperately needs it. In April was the 100th anniversary of the Azusa Street Revival. And there was great celebrations made. I have zero political agenda here. Trust me, zero. I got involved simply because it was 100 years. And when you look at the picture of those Azusa Street elders, almost half of them in that famous photo, almost half of them went into the message we now hold very, very dear. Very dear. And I thought of them, and I thought of all the charismatics of the world and Pentecostal, neo-Pentecostals now, amen, that were gathering in Los Angeles to commemorate and celebrate in their own ways Azusa Street. And I thought of those men and those women that paid dear prices and friends and fellowship and goodwill to stand for the name of Jesus and the truth of the oneness of God in Christ. And my thought was, in heaven, I don't know what people see or do not see, but I thought, surely, surely their sacrifice deserves us doing some celebrating. So I did my part, and our church did its part to dive in and help. But in the process, a man of studying, and I've done it off and on through the years, but the people like William Seymour, It amazes me. I do want to insert this here to the best of my, very best of my knowledge. And I've done extensive reading. I've found no records, none whatsoever, that ever show William Seymour ever baptizing anybody other than in the name of Jesus. Anybody and everybody he ever baptized was always in the name of Jesus. Now, the extent of his revelation, I don't think it was all there. But he did understand that. And he got that from William Fox Parham. And I don't want to bore you with the details. But he did. But when we hear of Azusa and his arrival there, a man to thankfully think that he was going to take a church. And he preached about the infilling of the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in tongues. And he, he didn't preach one message. He preached five. And they shut the doors on him and padlocked him out. And he went to a man by the name of Edwards House. And then Edwards Lee took him over to 216 Bonnie Bray Street. And there, from February on up into April, he taught every day, every night, about the Holy Ghost was evidenced by speaking in other tongues. Though he himself had not received it, 
He taught it and taught it and taught it. And we hear about the outpouring. Amen. And they ended up going to Azusa Street, a 40-foot by 60-foot building with a 7-foot tall ceiling in the bottom floor. And right now with my shoes on and my height and my insoles, my art supports, and God knows what else, I'm about six foot seven, and it was seven foot tall. Not quite as tall as this building here. <laughs> and whereas we can see those upside down spas, what you would see in Azusa Street was rafters, dusty rafters, and dirt floors, and kegs. With, 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 with boards running across for pews and two orange crates for the, for the pulpit and the inner studs of the walls. That's all there were. There was no inside of a covering and uh, two light bulbs in that little room and, 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 and in a stove for in the wintertime. And how that before it was over in that 40 by 60 room, there would be up to as many as 600 people crammed inside of that building with another 13 to 1800 people standing on the outside of that building trying to get close amen because of this thing called the mighty outpouring of the holy ghost and how the glory of god would fall and i could stand here and tell you stories amen that are mind-boggling about the unbelievable power of god that hit that place but what people do not realize is that seven years before it fell, God began to deal with William Seymour. I'm not talking about doctor. I'm just talking now about what level would you like to play. And we talk about seeing another Azusa, but somewhere, God, in these last days, you've got to give us some revelation how far we got to walk to get up to our knees and then up to our loins. But if you'll just go one more step, there's rivers, I'm telling you, that can't be swum across. And the waters are so deep and powerful and the healing virtue so great. Seven years before he ever met Charles Fox Parham. Seven years before he ever went to Houston. Seven years before he ever went to Los Angeles. He began to pray. Five hours every day. Five hours every day. And after he did that for five years, one day in prayer, didn't even have the Holy Ghost yet, the Lord spoke to him and said, I have very great, very powerful things to show you. And to perform. But you must. Pray more. And he went from five hours. To seven hours. Every day. I'm not saying we have to go that far. I don't know. All I know is. Jesus did say. What? You can't watch with me one hour? You, you can't even muster an hour somewhere? And I know our schedules are busy and they're crazy. But somewhere, we better make up our mind. When it comes to the things of God, I'm not talking about income. I'm not talking about new cars. I'm talking about the things of God. What level would you like to play? How far you want to go in this? What does it mean to you? And he made up his mind. And for the next two years before Azusa power fell, he prayed seven out of every 24 hours. He would seek God seven hours a day. Granted, he'd have to spread it around, but he wouldn't close his eyes until he had some way, somehow, put in seven hours a day. Oh, God, what level would you like to play? God, put it in our hearts. Put it in our minds. We're in the closing days of this dispensation God you've got to give us a revelation if ever you wanted to wake up
think that I'm saying that anything less than that is wasted time. I'm not. But I am saying we better set our course and set a direction and never turn back. There needs to be something inside of us that says, God, I'm going to keep walking and I'm not going to stop and I'm certainly not going to turn around. And if there's one day that's better than another day, then every day his compassions fail not. They're new every morning. I'm not stopping. I'll tell you what happens when it stops. It's like Brother Godare preached. When it stops, it becomes a swamp. And when a Holy Ghost filled individual stops and it becomes a swamp, the only thing it breeds is inside sex and reptiles and if you don't think that a Pentecostal church can breed insects and reptiles you get around one where they've stopped you get around one where they're no longer seeking the face of God you get around one amen where worldliness has come in you get around one they're not concerned about holiness and righteousness and the lost and people that are going to hell they're not concerned about pleasing God you talk about a swamp but God is talking to us tonight what level would you like to play come on daddy what level would you like to play come on mama what level would you like to play let's everybody stand come on young person you may be 15 16 14 13 you're not too young to get started there's something amen that god wants to know he wants to find out from everybody musicians come What level? What level? What level? What level? What level? I read something the other day. People remember at best one third of what they read. If they're lucky, at best. They remember one half of what they hear. But they never forget what they feel. They never forget what they feel. I know that and Brother Holmes, pardon me. I'd use another church, but I'm here, okay? If a sinner came into this place, yes, this is something. And yes, it's something to see. But I'm going to tell you something. They're going to remember what they felt more than anything they saw here. And it may be here, it may be a 40, 60 foot building with a 7 foot tall wall, but they're never going to forget what they felt. And how are they going to feel without that presence and glory? And I'm going to tell you some one thing, and I can, I can say this because I'm here. This man does have a great revelation on the power of prayer. And this is a praying church. This is a praying church. This is a pray in church. It is. I know it is. I know it is. Hallelujah. But they're never going to forget what they felt. That's why we've got to go into the waters. There's something that wants to flow and move and touch. And if we'll go deep enough and hard enough and we'll believe big enough, there's waters that everywhere it flows it'll heal. That is not an 
unconditional. We know that marshes, we know that salt places, amen, we know that places that are dead and they don't want to be touched, then brother God will just scoot around them and God will go on by. He'll do it with an individual. He'll do it with a family. He'll do it with a church. He'll do it with a movement. I'm telling you, he's no respecter of persons. But if you will pray, and if you'll say, God, I gotta have you. There is a God that wants to make a mighty visitation. What level would you like to play? Somewhere it's going to be 3,889. 3,000. Amen. 890, 3,951, 3,952, three, but you gotta keep walking, 3,995, 3,996, you've lost count, you're really not keeping up with it, 3,997, 3,998, 3,999, and one more step. Your feet aren't on the ground anymore. You're swimming, brother. The glory world, the presence of God, the power and the goodness and the grace and the might. The question is, what level would you like to play? How far do you want to go? Young men, young ladies, let's clear out these chairs. There's far more people here that can never get up to the front here. I don't know how many won't even get up to the front. I don't know. But the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is asking a question right now. What level would you like to play? How far do you want to go? How deep do you want to get with God? If there's something beating down inside your heart that says, God, I want you. Hallelujah. And there's something inside that says, God, I want to go deeper than I've ever 